0: The War of the Worlds by H. G. Wells Narrated by R. J. Bailey Book Two The Earth Under the Martians Chapter Eight Dead London After I had parted from the artillerymen, I went down the hill and by the high street across the bridge to Fulham. The red weed was tumultuous at that time, and nearly choked the bridge roadway, but its fronds were already whitened in patches by the spreading disease that presently removed it so swiftly. At the corner of the lane that runs to Putney Bridge Station I found a man lying. He was as black as a sweep with the black dust, alive but helplessly and speechlessly drunk. I could get nothing from him but curses and furious lunges at my head. I think I should have stayed by him, but for the brutal expression of his face. There was black dust along the roadway from the bridge onwards, and it grew thicker in Fulham. The streets were horribly quiet. I got food, sour, hard, and mouldy, but quite eatable, in a baker's shop here. Some way towards Walham Green, the streets became clear of powder, and I passed a white terrace of houses on fire. The noise of the burning was an absolute relief. Going on towards Brompton, the streets were quiet again. Here I came once more upon the black powder in the streets, and upon dead bodies. I saw altogether about a dozen in the length of the Fulham Road. They had been dead many days, so that I hurried quickly past them. The black powder covered them over, and softened their outlines. One or two had been disturbed by dogs. Where there was no black powder, it was curiously like a Sunday in the city, with the closed shops, the houses locked up and the blinds drawn, the desertion and the stillness. In some places, plunderers had been at work, but rarely at other than the provision and wine shops. A jeweller's window had been broken open in one place, but apparently the thief had been disturbed, and a number of gold chains and a watch lay scattered on the pavement. I did not trouble to touch them. Farther on was a tattered woman in a heap on a doorstep. The hand that hung over her knee was gashed. And bled down her rusty brown dress, and a smashed magnum of champagne formed a pool across the pavement. She seemed asleep, but she was dead. The farther I penetrated into London, the profounder grew the stillness. But it was not so much the stillness of death, it was the stillness of suspense, of expectation. At any time. The destruction that had already singed the northwestern borders of the metropolis, and had annihilated Ealing and Kilburn, might strike among these houses and leave them smoking ruins. It was a city condemned and derelict. In South Kensington, the streets were clear of dead and of black powder. It was near South Kensington that I first heard the howling. It crept almost imperceptibly upon my senses. It was a sobbing alternation of two notes,
1: oolah, la, 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 oolah, la,
0: keeping on perpetually. When I passed streets that ran northward, it grew in volume and houses and buildings seemed to deaden and cut it off. It came in a full tide down Exhibition Road. I stopped, staring towards Kensington Gardens, wondering at this strange, remote wailing. It was as if that mighty desert of houses had found a voice for its fear and solitude.
1: "'Ula! Ula!'
0: wailed that superhuman note. Great waves of sound sweeping down the broad, sunlit roadway, between the tall buildings on each side. I turned northwards, marvelling towards the iron gates of Hyde Park. I had half a mind to break into the Natural History Museum and find my way up to the summits of the towers in order to see across the park. But I decided to keep to the ground, where quick hiding was possible, and so went on up the Exhibition Road. All the large mansions on each side of the road were empty and still, and my footsteps echoed against the sides of the houses. At the top, near the park gate, I came upon a strange sight, a bus overturned, and the skeleton of a horse picked clean. I puzzled over this for a time, and then went on to the bridge over the Serpentine. The voice grew stronger and stronger, though I could see nothing above the housetops on the north side of the park, save a haze of smoke to the northwest.
1: Oola, Oola la ula
0: cried the voice coming as it seemed to me from the district about Regent's Park the desolating cry worked upon my mind the mood that had sustained me passed the wailing took possession of me i found i was intensely weary foot-sore and now again hungry and thirsty It was already past noon. Why was I wandering alone in this city of the dead? Why was I alone when all London was lying in state and in its black shroud? I felt intolerably lonely. My mind ran on old friends that I had forgotten for years. I thought of the poisons in the chemists' shops, of the liquors the wine merchants stored. I recalled the two sodden creatures of despair, who, so far as I knew, shared the city with myself. I came into Oxford Street by the marble arch, and here again were black powder and several bodies, and an evil, ominous smell from the gratings of the cellars of some of the houses. I grew very thirsty after the heat of my long walk. With infinite trouble, I managed to break into a public house and get food and drink. I was weary after eating and went into the parlour behind the bar and slept on a black horsehair sofa I found there. I awoke to find that dismal howling still in my ears.
1: Oola la, oola la.
0: It was now dusk, and after I had routed out some biscuits and a cheese in the bar, there was a meat-safe, but it contained nothing but maggots, I wandered on through the silent residential squares to Baker Street, Portman Square is the only one I can name, and so came out at last upon Regent's Park. And as I emerged from the top of Baker Street, I saw, far away over the trees in the clearness of the sunset, the hood of the Martian giant from which this howling proceeded. I was not terrified. I came upon him as if it were a matter of course. I watched him for some time, but he did not move. He appeared to be standing and yelling for no reason that I could discover. I tried to formulate a plan of action. That perpetual sound of
1: oolah, 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 oolah,
0: confused my mind. Perhaps I was too tired to be very fearful. Certainly I was more curious to know the reason of this monotonous crying than afraid. I turned back away from the park and struck into Park Road, intending to skirt the park, went along under the shelter of the terraces and got a view of this stationary, howling Martian from the direction of St. John's Wood. A couple of hundred yards out of Baker Street I heard a yelping chorus and saw first a dog with a piece of putrescent red meat in his jaws, coming headlong towards me, and then a pack of starving mongrels in pursuit of him. He made a wide curve to avoid me, as though he feared I might prove a fresh competitor. As the yelping died away down the silent road, the wailing sound of
1: OOLA! OOLA! oola oola
0: reasserted itself i came upon the wrecked handling machine halfway to st john's wood station at first i thought a house had fallen across the road it was only as i clambered among the ruins that i saw with a start this mechanical samson lying with its tentacles bent and smashed and twisted among the ruins it had made. The forepart was shattered. It seemed as if it had driven blindly straight at the house, and had been overwhelmed in its overthrow. It seemed to me then that this might have happened by a handling machine escaping from the guidance of its Martian. I could not clamber among the ruins to see it, and the twilight was now so far advanced that the blood with which its seat was smeared, and the gnawed gristle of the Martian that the dogs had left, were invisible to me. Wondering still more at all that I had seen, I pushed on towards Primrose Hill. Far away, through a gap in the trees, I saw a second Martian, as motionless as the first, standing in the park towards the zoological gardens, and silent. A little beyond the ruins about the smashed handling machine, I came upon the red weed again, and found the region's canal, a spongy mass of dark red vegetation. As I crossed the bridge, the sound of
1: Oola! 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 Oola,
0: ceased. It was, as it were, cut off. The silence came like a thunderclap. The dusk houses about me stood faint and tall and dim. The trees towards the park were growing black. All about me the red weed clambered among the ruins, writhing to get above me in the dimness. Night. The mother of fear and mystery was coming upon me. But while that voice sounded the solitude, the desolation had been endurable. By virtue of it, London had still seemed alive, and the sense of life about me had upheld me. Then, suddenly, a change, the passing of something, I knew not what and then a stillness that could be felt. Nothing but this gaunt quiet. London about me gazed at me spectrally. The windows in the white houses were like the eye-sockets of skulls. About me, my imagination found a thousand noiseless enemies moving. Terror seized me, a horror of my temerity. In front of me, the road became pitchy black as though it was tarred, and I saw a contorted shape lying across the pathway. I could not bring myself to go on. I turned down St. John's Wood Road and ran headlong from this unendurable stillness towards Kilburn. I hid from the night and the silence until long after midnight, in a cabman's shelter in Harrow Road. But before the dawn my courage returned, and while the stars were still in the sky, I turned once more towards Regent's Park. I missed my way among the streets, and presently saw down a long avenue, in the half-light of the early dawn, the curve of Primrose Hill. On the summit, towering up to the fading stars, was a third Martian, erect and motionless like the others. An insane resolve possessed me. I would die and end it,